TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome back here to 560 WQAM, and welcome to the 7 o'clock hour. Hope everybody's having a terrific Thursday evening, as couldn't be any better here around QAM because we got football underway, officially for the Dolphins. You just heard Danny mention that in the update, and tomorrow night you got the Canes kicking off their fall scrimmage, not scrimmage, excuse me, their fall camp as they're getting ready for a game in a month's time, August 24th, so... We've got plenty to discuss over the course of the rest of the program, taking up until 10 o'clock. That's when we'll turn things over to CBS Sports Radio. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so by texting us at 560-22. is how you reach us here on the program. We're going to get into a ton of Dolphins breakdown. A little bit later on, we'll hear more from Brian Flores and the quarterbacks who spoke today uh, at Dolphins camp. Uh, but want to get into my top storylines and questions surrounding the Dolphins entering 2019 training camp. So without further ado, here we go. These are the top questions and storylines surrounding the Dolphins entering 2019 training camp. In many ways, matters with the Dolphins are completely different this season, and I'll outline most of those coming up. But in other ways, not much has changed, and that's where I want to begin. For the first time since 2012, we're not entering a training camp wondering about Ryan Tannehill. What's his upside? Is he a legitimate franchise quarterback? Can he stay healthy? Instead, there's some new blood in Miami's quarterback room in the form of Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen, and we'll get to them in a moment. But just a refresher for those who listened to me last year when I provided my top storylines entering 2018, going back and looking at my notes, I said this one year ago about Tannehill. How will his performance affect the team's future? If he gets injured again or doesn't play well, we will likely be discussing an entirely new direction for the Dolphins at QB beginning in 2019. We could also be discussing new decision makers amongst the organization's brain trust. They have placed all of their faith in Tannehill. If it doesn't work out, will Mike Tannenbaum, Chris Greer, and Adam Gase be around any longer to determine the next QB of the future? Or in that hypothetical, will Tannehill take them down with him? That was what I said last year. And as we all know, Gase, Tannenbaum, and Tannehill were all jettisoned, with that trio landing in New York, Bristol, Connecticut, and Tennessee, respectively. I don't have anything personal against Ryan Tannehill, and he and his wife, Lauren, were always kind to me in my interactions with them, but from a football standpoint, boy, am I glad we're not entering another Dolphin season with the polarizing discussion about Tannehill's worthiness as Miami's QB. With all of that out of the way, Let's get to the first storyline. It's all about the quarterback, 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 quarterback. Josh Rosen versus Ryan Fitzpatrick is far and away the top storyline entering the 2019 season for the Miami Dolphins. And in reality, 
it's really less about Fitzpatrick and all about Rosen. Rosen has one season, and yet it's to it's yet to be determined how many games in said season that he'll earn the opportunity to play. But in theory, he has 16 regular season games to let the Dolphins coaching staff, front office, his teammates, and fans know whether he's in it for the long haul or whether the team needs to address the position in next year's draft. It's as simple as that. A one-year tryout to prove his worth. Will the organization see enough upside to determine he's the quarterback they want to build the future around, or will things not work out for Rosen in a second consecutive season and with a second team after being selected with the 10th overall pick in the 2018 NFL Draft? Because if Rosen doesn't impress, the Dolphins will then be able to make an educated decision regarding how they approach the draft in 2020. Depending on Rosen's performance, he could either become the franchise's QB we've all been waiting for since Dan Marino retired, or we could all be clamoring for the next hot draft prospect like Tua Tagovailoa, Justin Herbert, Jake Fromm, or whichever other QB impresses on the college gridiron this year. Another element to the Rosen situation is certainly whether or not he wins the job outright following the preseason. Many would argue that his potential inability to beat out Fitzpatrick will tell us all we need to know about his future with the team. At one point during this offseason, I felt strongly about this, that we might as well start planning for the draft if Rosen can't win the job over Ryan Fitzpatrick. However, I won't say that Rosen definitively will not turn into the Dolphins' next QB if Fitzpatrick wins the job to begin the year. Rosen hypothetically could play well when given his opportunity, and there will be pressure on Brian Flores to play the best quarterback in order to maintain credibility in the locker room early on in his rookie campaign as a head coach. But it would be a major, major disappointment and certainly a discouraging sign for those rooting for Rosen to grab the reins of this team if he doesn't earn that starting job from day one. There will be so much focus on the quarterback position, but there are many other intriguing storylines for this new Dolphins season, including the Brian Flores era officially getting underway. I'm excited about this hire for the Miami Dolphins. I really liked what we saw and heard from Flores during the offseason. He had a terrific example to learn from in Bill Belichick and in just being around the New England Patriots organization. He's worked his way up and has experience both as a scout and a coach. Every player willing to go on record that's been around Flores has a deep amount of respect for him as a coach, leader, and person. And despite all the discussion this offseason about tanking or rebuilding, despite the makeup of a roster that anyone can admit is flawed and not stocked with a lot of top-end talent, Flores has been steadfast in his public comments about the team that he's, he is here to win. Not eventually, but right now. Here's a quote in Armando Soguero's conversation with Flores about what he's communicated to Stephen Ross. Quote, I say what I've said since day one and in every conversation I've had with him which is we're going to go out and try to win every game. That's the goal. That's the objective really every week. That's my thought. If you don't have that approach, then you'll never reach your goals, end quote. Now we can all debate how good or bad this team is going to be, and most level-headed observers will tell you this will be a rebuilding season for the Dolphins that likely won't feature an overabundance of wins, but Flores is saying all the right things, and I appreciate that about him. He can't begin his tenure and create change from a cultural perspective by giving the outward impression that his team won't try hard or win many games as part of some process. He has to set the tone from the outset, and so far he's doing a good job. 
Let's see how that progresses during training camp and the regular season. But I certainly hope that Stephen Ross and the franchise as a whole remain patient with Flores because he appears to have plenty of upside as a head coach. Next up, where will the pass rush come from? Gone is Cam Wake and his 98 career sacks, including six last season. Gone is Robert Quinn and his team-high six-and-a-half sacks last year. Andre Branch was also let go during this offseason. The Dolphins have zero established pass rushers on the roster entering 2019. In fact, their leading returner sa- returning sacker is linebacker Jerome Baker with three. And their second leading returning sacker is a defensive back in Bobby McCain with two quarterback takedowns, also tied with Vincent Taylor and Akeem Spence, to be fair, with two. So that's it. The bottom line, how will they generate a pass rush this season? That is the task left to new defensive coordinator Patrick Graham and to Flores. We do know that the Dolphins provide a phenomenal opportunity for players looking to make a name for themselves as pass rushers. So who's going to take advantage? Will it be former first-round pick Charles Harris, who has three career sacks in two seasons? Will it be Nate Orchard or Jonathan Woodard or Tank Carradine or Andrew Van Ginkle or a big defensive tackle like Christian Wilkins, Devon Godshaw, or Taylor, or someone even further under the radar that we're not talking about? All I know is someone needs to step up. Otherwise, it is going to be a long season for this defense. Staying on that side of the ball, how will the coaching staff maximize the talent in the secondary? You can make a strong argument that the Dolphins' secondary features the most talent of any group on the roster. Xavier Howard is coming off Pro Bowl and second-team All-Pro selections in 2018 and signed a massive and deserved contract extension in the offseason. Rashad Jones has been a Pro Bowler, perennial playmaker, and one of the Dolphins' best players since being drafted in 2010. T.J. McDonald's one of the hardest hitters in the league, period. Bobby McCain was given a big deal last offseason that made him one of the highest-paid slot corners in football and appears to be getting work at safety as well. And Minka Fitzpatrick is a Swiss Army knife of a defender that seemingly is a perfect fit, matching up all over the secondary in a Patriots-style defense. There are a few questions I have here. One, who plays on the boundary corner opposite Howard? It could be Eric Rowe, McCain, Fitzpatrick, or another young player that it surprises and impresses in the preseason. Number two, where will the Dolphins line up versatile defenders like McCain, Fitzpatrick, and Jones? And three, will they be able to maximize all of the talent by putting everyone in the most advantageous position to positively impact the team? And will everyone be happy with their role? There are plenty of questions to be answered, but there is also an abundance of talent to utilize for this Dolphins defensive coaching staff. All right, let's switch to the offense. Next storyline, Kenyon Drake's role. How will the Dolphins' dynamic running back be utilized in the upcoming season? Will it be the same old story with a new coaching staff, or will Chad O'Shea, the new offensive coordinator, get more from an extremely talented player? Drake averaged just 7.5 carries per game and 3.3 receptions per game last season. That's 10.8 offensive touches per contest, yet he still led the team with nine total touchdowns while averaging four and a half yards per carry. He has wildly productive seasons and had a wildly, he was a wildly productive uh, player for them last year despite the limited opportunities. This was a maddening situation all of last year. With Adam Gase stubbornly refusing to use Drake as more than just a part time player. Will that change with an offensive system that typically has used multiple backs in New England? I can't wait to find out. Next one, 
Albert Wilson's health. It's safe to assume that Wilson will be brought back with caution following a serious hip injury last October, and that's the prudent thing to do from the Dolphins' perspective. But I am anxious to see if he can return to the form we saw him pre-injury. Remember, he was Miami's most explosive offensive player through seven games, compiling 26 receptions for 391 yards and four touchdowns. He was a big play waiting to happen. He scored receiving touchdowns of 43, 75, 74, and 29 yards in length, and he also threw a 52-yard touchdown to Jakeem Grant. If he can come back and play at the same level as we witnessed last season, the Dolphins have a major weapon returning to this offense. Next up, how will the offensive line come together? This has been a storyline for the Dolphins seemingly in perpetuity, right? I can't remember the last time the team entered a season without any questions regarding the offensive line. This current incarnation will feature Laramie Tunzel at left tackle and Daniel Kilgore at center. Those appear to be the only guarantees. I'm assuming Jesse Davis will start. The question is whether it's at right guard or at right tackle. Jordan Mills will be given every opportunity to fill the void left by the departed Jawan James. And it will likely be a battle between rookie Michael Dieter and veteran Chris Reed at left guard. And it goes without saying that this group's effectiveness will be vital for a proper evaluation of Josh Rosen whenever he gets on the field. Next, can past disappointments turn into productive members of this Dolphins team? I'm looking at you, Devontae Parker, and you, Charles Harris, and you, Mike Kosicki, those three specifically. We all know the story with Parker. Massive upside because of his God-given combination of size, speed, and athleticism. How many times have Dolphins fans collectively pegged him as a breakout candidate since being selected with the 14th overall pick in 2015? Pretty much every year, and it is yet to come to fruition. There have been pesky, lingering injuries. There were concerns about his maturity and professionalism early on. Then last season, there seemed to be some sort of grudge held against him by Adam Gase with an odd public criticism of Gase by Parker's agent. Listen, the bottom line is Miami brought him back on a team-friendly contract to see if this new coaching staff can get the most out of an undeniably talented but mattingly inconsistent player. Can't wait to see what happens with him. Next is Harris. He's just three sacks, as we already mentioned, in two seasons since being taken with the 22nd overall pick in 2017. Considering what I've already detailed about the lack of bona fide pass rushers on this roster, there are no excuses for Harris. If he can't produce this season, considering the opportunities we assume he will have, then the Dolphins have a bust on their hands. I'm hoping he can break out because by all accounts, he's a guy that is a good guy, a hard worker, well-liked, it's put-up-or-shut-up time for Harris in 2019, who has the benefit of working with what I perceive as a much more competent defensive coaching staff in 2019. Finally, let's get to Gasicki. 22 catches, 202 yards, and zero touchdowns in his rookie campaign after being selected in the second round. The lack of touchdowns is really what stands out to me because that's the one element I thought he would provide. An athletic, tall, rangy target in the red zone, and the production just wasn't there. Do we blame this on Adam Gase's play calling? Do we blame it on adjusting to the NFL game as a rookie? Or, as I heard through some people who are close to the team last season, they aren't convinced that he's going to be very good after seeing him every day in person. I hope that's not the case, but whatever is the case, we need to find out this year about Kasiki, Harris, and Parker. All right, next up, what kind of impact will be made by the rookie class? It features draft picks Christian Wilkins, Michael Dieter, Andrew Van Ginkle, Isaiah Prince, Chandler Cox, and Miles Gaskin. Who steps up from this group? 
there's a terrific opportunity with this stripped-down roster to make an impact. I'm looking, though, primarily at Wilkins. Can he make his presence felt on the field with production and in the locker room as a leader, as he proclaimed was his goal immediately after being drafted? We will see from him very, very soon. And finally, I'll wrap it up with this. How will we judge this season? We have navigated an offseason in which tanking was a buzzword and a topic widely discussed, and then that has transitioned to rebuilding being the appropriate way to describe the current state of affairs for the Miami Dolphins. But it begs the question for the media and for fans alike, are you reprogramming your expectations compared to years past? And will you be recalibrating your mindset as it pertains to the win-loss record for the Dolphins in 2019? My feeling is that most are, and that witnessing steady progress and the development of young players who can be key cogs on future teams will be satisfying for many fans, even if it comes with few wins. But this will be an ongoing back and forth for many throughout the season, and I'm fascinated to see how it potentially adjusts during the year, especially in the hypothetical scenario that Rosen doesn't impress and losses late in the season become all too important for draft positioning. In conclusion, I'm thrilled, as I'm sure many of you are as well, to have football back. And it will be another intriguing season for the Miami Dolphins and their fans for many of the reasons I just detailed. All right, there you have it. Those are my storylines. Those are my questions. So now I'm going to leave it up to our audience. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Are there some things that you'd add in there? Are there elements that I left out that you want to argue about or you don't agree with every mention that I had. I'm going to leave this up to everybody. 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. Danny, I'll let you chime in as well as uh, we continue on here. But uh, you tell me, which, you know, everybody can talk about the quarterback position. That's obvious. And Flores being, you know, the new head coach. But some of these other maybe under the radar radar storylines or questions that you have, let me know. And we will uh, open up to the text line as the show continues on. Plus, a little bit later, we'll hear more from Flores. We'll hear from Rosen, hear from Fitzpatrick. Stay tuned. Much more to get to here on QAM. Radio.com. Radio.com. For crowd to talk about this, it's like three and a half, four seconds is what you ask your top cover corners to give you if you are a pass rush. But the bottom line is it, it works in tandem. And if the pass rush is not existent, then Xavier Howard could be the best cover corner in the world. And it won't matter because if a receiver's got five seconds to get open, then, you know, it doesn't matter who is trying to guard him. It's not going to work because the quarterback has way too much time. So that is the, the alarming thing to me on the defensive side of the ball is that you can say a lot of great things about the secondary outside of who's going to start opposite uh, Xavier Howard. That's an unknown at this point. The linebacker core, the linebacking core has – some potential there but that defensive line it's like hey Wilkins that's great and Godshaw and Vincent Taylor I like the young talent there but who's getting after the quarterback who can do it consistently you can say all you want about how old Cam Wake was getting but Cam Wake at least provided a threat that the defense had to account for who is that who's going to provide that threat because Xavier Howard can be out on an island he could do a terrific job by all accounts the pro football focus metrics and all this stuff he is shutting down his guy, but if you give the quarterback on the opposing team six seconds to stand back out back there and the receiver to let his route develop, it doesn't matter if Xavier Howard is his second coming of Deion Sanders. 
you're not going to be effective. I think you know, and I think you you mentioned this in your in your little breakdown there. You know, it's put up or shut up time for a guy like Charles Harris. Oh my gosh! Like like if you if you are gonna you are gonna be the premier pass rusher on this team this year. If we're not getting pressure on the quarterback, it falls squarely on on his on his inability to not live up to his first round potential because they took him really high. It was a questionable pick at the time. You know, and but you know, hey, at the time he just coming off that 2016 season, we had a lot of confidence in what was going on. You know, I, 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 that's Chris Greer's pick. I, I, I've never I heard, I've never heard anything different than that being Chris Greer's pick. And Chris Greer got this job because apparently it was everybody else's fault except for him. And now he needs to be in total control. Well, you want to know what you want to make Chris Greer look good, Charles Harris. You want to justify that pick? This is the season to do it. But I'll say this about the defense, and on a positive note, Greg, and I want I want your take on this here. If even if we can't really sustain a pass rush, if we can see more development, which we saw development from Godchow and Taylor last year, and development from Wilkinson in the middle this year, and I think those linebackers can be really good, especially against the run between Baker, McMillan, and Kiko. You know, if we can see progress there, if we can just consistently not be run over in the running game, I think that's a big step forward for this defense, even if we can't get a great pass rush. Yeah, the last two years, they have been absolutely torn to pieces. The run defense, been atrocious. Gashed. Absolutely, on a weekly basis. And the defense under Matt Burke was just so terrible. And then (laughs) what made it even worse is that the the optics of Matt Burke's defense out on the field – getting gashed on a weekly basis, and every time they're out on the field, Adam Gase, they're showing those shots on CBS or Fox, and he's on the bench not watching the defense, and he's on the tablet, right? He's looking at plays on offense. (laughs) He's not even paying attention. His defense is so bad, and he's just like, oh, yeah, that's not my thing. Like, that's Matt Burke's thing. He's like, you're the one who put Matt Burke in charge of this pathetic display of defense? Oh, my goodness. Uh, So... Anyway, I, you know, like there's a void in talent, but I, I think that from a coaching standpoint, they're they're upgrading in the upcoming season. Five sixty twenty two is how you reach the program. I want to read some more of these texts here. Uh, one of our texts says Rosen will be the Dolphins' starter on opening day. If he is not the starter, he will never be. My money is on Rosen. That guy has a chip on his shoulder. I hope you're right because I, I want to see as much Rosen as possible. Another texter says. Uh, I feel bad for Cam Wake, who can't get away from that bum, I guess, in Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> yeah, T- Tannehill gets traded to Tennessee after Cam Wake had already signed there as a free agent. Uh, another texture says, someone must have spiked the Finns press pool Kool-Aid bucket with extra sugar today. It's going to be a long season until next draft. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Listen, I don't care how bad the team's going to be this year. The first day of training camp, to me, is always a day for celebration, a cause for celebration. It's similar. For those like diehard baseball fans who, who talk about opening day is like a national treasure, right? It's the same thing. Opening a training camp, that's the way I look at it as well. Um, another texture says, if you don't pressure the opponent's quarterback, your secondary is useless. Um, another one here says, I think from a coach that's co- coming off a Super Bowl win that stopped the most crazy offensive football, uh, let's see, coaching the Dolphins is the biggest plus uh, we've ever had. And I think that Josh Rosen is not as good as Fitzpatrick. I think they still need to search for a new quarterback. Well, we'll see. They're going to have uh, plenty of time to figure out what that's going to look like. Uh, but Let's do this. We're going to take a timeout. We're going to come back. We've got a bunch of other texts rolling in here. 560-22, plenty of Dolphins talk here 
Also, we do have sound from both quarterbacks, from Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So we'll come back and we'll hear from both of the signal callers after practice number one of 2019 training camp. Stay tuned here on 560 WQAM. Radio.com. We're back here on 560 WQAM. Greg Likens here with you on this Thursday night. Danny G, the sports bomber on the other side of the glass is clearing up outside. Looks nice now. Although I think that the rain is moving north. So for those listeners in Broward and beyond, it uh, perhaps has not cleared up. At least here in Dade County, where we're currently stationed, uh, it's looking uh, pretty nice. The calm after the storm, I guess we could say in this regard. Uh, we got a lot to get into, plenty of Dolphins conversation, and uh, we'll talk some Canes coming up as well in the 8 o'clock hour. If you want to join us, always encourage you to do so at 560-22 on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line. 560-22 is how you reach the program. Uh, <laughs> our textures here. So we've got a few textures that actually don't like the football talk, which is funny because I think they're in the vast minority of, of folks here in South Florida that are sports fans. Yes. Uh, so one of our textures says, uh, Greg, are you going to break down the heat training camp with headlines and topics like this? Please do. Oh my God, trying to I'm trying hard to stay engaged with this football combo because I know football is king right now. It's a good thing you're hosting tonight. Hashtag basketball fan. Hashtag I'm hanging in there. Well, thank you for hanging in there. And I love basketball too. But uh, you know, it, this is the time where kind of the calendar shifts for the sports yeah. world and football is absolutely Tis upon the us. season you know i mean i know soccer is i know soccer is like a year-round thing but you know there's basketball season and there's football season Come there on. is a football season quite frankly but by the way let's give credit to the nfl let's give credit to the nba both of those quote-unquote seasons extend into the vast majority of the calendar right i mean when you're talking about the different elements of the seasons like the nfl there's really what like a month where it's not front and center but other than that, it's like 11 months out of the year. For various reasons, we're talking football. And the NBA has increasingly become more relevant in times that in the past we would not have talked about it because of their offseason, the free agency frenzy that took place, some of the trades, certainly the summer league. And now we've kind of reached a point where it's dying down a little bit. But both of those sports have done a great job of capitalizing on their popularity. Um, but I want to get back right now to – the quarterback position, because there's nothing like a quarterback battle or competition in a training camp. Right now, we've got Josh Rosen going up against the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick, and uh, we had uh, some reporters out there covering everything today at Dolphins training camp and wanted to give you a taste of what everyone said. Josh Rosen uh, was addressing the media after his first practice of Dolphins training camp 2019 and had this to say about whether there's pressure involved in this quarterback competition. 
Maybe a little bit, but I mean, whether I was in one, not in one, or anything, starting, backing up, or third string, it wouldn't really change my approach day to day. Um, so I mean, as, as I know you guys are all writers, and, and it's in the forefront of your brains, but it's kind of uh, in, the, more in the back of mine. I just, um, I got a play call, I'm trying to execute that one play, um, regardless of the situation, um, on the team, or in my position, anything. So Okay, so which, you know, I think that's a fair response from Josh Rosen because he admitted that, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure, but at the same time, you know, you can't get caught up in that. You just got to go out and try to play football. Uh, this was a bit cliche, but I, I think it's interesting to hear what Rosen had to say in terms of what he is attempting to get out of this training camp. And, you know, they're practicing every single day. This is what he had to say about trying to improve. I, I mean, I, keep, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. It's not like a rehearsed thing, but it's just literally getting better day by day and just trying to improve. And um, it's not about taking a massive step forward or um, it's just about continuing to, to grow and continuing to make positive progress. I think, uh, uh, I think uh, any kind of setback, I would say, is worse than um, uh, any progress you could gain. I, it's, I'm just trying to stay consistent. I'm just trying to get better and, and master this offense and, and uh, get more and more comfortable behind center. Okay. And, you know, he's talking about not making, like, a massive step or improvement. I think I can speak for most people out there, though, that I, I, I was hoping to see something like that. And maybe that was unrealistic on my part, but I was hoping to see that today. Like, I was hoping that, you know, folks who were out there covering the first day of Dolphins training camp, like, man, Josh Rosen, you know, was gone for a month or whatever it was since we last saw him, two months, and he looks like a different guy. He's got this offense down. He's rallying the troops. The players are following him as he looks like the unquestioned leader of the team and Ryan Fitzpatrick looks like an afterthought and instead it's kind of the other way around so we'll see how this develops speaking of Fitzpatrick or Fitzmagic depending on how you want to describe him uh he had this to say when he addressed the media he's always entertaining by the way Josh Rosen I think is a really intelligent guy uh but right now he's trying to earn his stripes and so he's kind of playing things close to the vest Fitzpatrick he's done what he's done in his career he's gonna be 37 by the time the season rolls around like he, he he just doesn't care in a very good way where he's free in terms of how he addresses the media and his situation and this is what he had to say about his approach to the Finns quarterback battle just trying to be the best version of me that I can be I mean that really is it uh, there's so many things you know that I've just continued to get better at in my game and so uh, you know knowing who I am as a player and working on my deficiencies um, you know communication is something that I try to pride myself on so just the communication with the guys making sure we're on the same page you know we had a couple lapses today that hopefully will get cleaned up and you just you, you move forward but especially down in the red area you only have so many chances you know and so you got to take advantage of all of them and you got to be on the same page with the guys all right so there's a ryan fitzpatrick so that was a pretty straightforward serious response uh but i liked this one where he was uh, asked about the jerseys that the fans were wearing first day of training camp and this is how he described it well, i also saw some 14s with landry on the back you know so uh one of them had tape on it but uh no i you know what I, i'm probably gonna buy my kids some 29 jerseys too so i'm a big fan of of minka and you know the better he plays the better it is for all of us so there were a lot of fitzpatrick jerseys but he was joking a lot of minka fitzpatrick jerseys and i did see that on twitter there were some folks out there with their Jarvis Landry jerseys that they just taped over the Landry and wrote in like with masking tape and a Sharpie Fitzpatrick instead. Yeah, that's an old trick. <laughs> it is, right? We've, we've gotten accustomed to that. Because think about it. I think a lot of folks did that when 
Ted Ginn left, and then eventually it was Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall yeah. became number 19. Um, which, by the way, you remember the story about Brandon Marshall when they traded for him? He he had been 15 in Denver. Yes. And he wanted to wear 15 in Miami, but Devon Bess was wearing number 15. And Devon Bess had just started up uh, like a charity, and I think it in- included his number 15. And he said to Brandon Marshall, he's like, no, I don't care what you offer me because I think there's going to be some sort of monetary yeah, of course. exchange. He said, I don't care what you offer me. I'm not giving up 15. So Brandon Marshall took 19. And it was like, oh, no, don't take 19. Like, there seemed to be some kind of curse on that number. Yeah, and you want to know what the funny thing was that I knew we were all – the funny thing was back then was that we were all on the, on the oh, Ted Ginn was a bust kind of bandwagon because he was drafted with the number nine overall pick. But he's still a good NFL player, and he's still playing in the NFL today, mind yes. you. You know, by the way, Brandon Marshall is not. <laughs> well, and also Ted Ginn, still playing in the NFL, did not bother to show up to the forty yards of gold event, but he did. <laughs> he is still playing. He's with the New Orleans Saints again this year. Exactly. So I remember at the time thinking, well, you know, why why trade get rid of Ted Ginn because he's a good speedster. Get rid of Devon Bess, you know, because he's gonna be because they're both because Bess and Marshall are both kind of the same guy. One or more, you know, they had you know possession guy yeah, over one, the middle. One much bigger than the other, but yeah, exactly. One much bigger than the other. So I, I, my thought process was get rid of Bess, not Ginn. And you know, I hate to toot my own horn, but I don't think I was too far off on that one. Well, the thing with Ginn is he needed a new place to be right he needed a new new circumstance a new environment I mean a place where people weren't going to make fun of his family and well right because like you know for as much as we can say hey he didn't live up to the number nine overall pick we also I think we always fail to realize that he didn't ask them to pick him at number nine right so you're right like he is anything but a bust he's actually had a nice NFL career however he's had a disappointing NFL career when you consider how high he was picked Right. So, but if he had produced everything he's produced over the course of his career in a Dolphins uniform, I'd say we'd look back at Ted Ginn and say, man, he's had a really solid, solid NFL career. You can't take anything away from that guy. And he's still doing it in his mid 30s. So it's, that's interesting, right? Because Ted Ginn was productive. I think, you know, Ted Ginn is, is an example of a scenario in which, yes, he was hyped up a lot because of his draft positioning. He was also hyped up because people wanted them to take a quarterback, and specifically Brady Quinn, instead of him there. And now we know that Ted Ginn ended up being a better pro than Brady Quinn ended up being at their respective positions. But then also, it was the whole, you you referenced this, the whole circus atmosphere surrounding Cam Cameron's comments about the family and Got to turn those thumbs this way, right? And Ted Ginn, for as good as he was as a returner, and for you know the great speed that he has always had, he had never saw a hit that he wanted to take. Right? I mean, that was the thing. Like he would run as fast as he could to the sideline. Like he would run first to the sideline prior to trying to turn up field to make the most out of a play. I remember. I don't remember which game, but I remember being at the stadium covering the Dolphins during Ted Ginn's time, and he consistently on like a two-minute drill drive in which they needed the yards, they needed, uh, you know, there wasn't much time left on the clock and all this sort of stuff, but he would forego what appeared to be, for a guy of his speed, easy first downs to just duck out of bounds to avoid getting hit. And you're like, at a certain point in time, you need to actually get as many yards as possible because you have some timeouts, you need to understand, you know, the time and place and the whole thing, and he just didn't get it. He All he knew is that he didn't want to take a hit. And the last time I was around Ted Ginn prior to them 
moving on. I remember it was like that they call it Black Monday, but the Monday after a season concludes and uh, all the players, they don't always all show up, but all the players typically are required to at least be available to address the media one final time before the offseason begins in earnest. And Ted Ginn was asked about what he was going to try to improve on in the offseason. What are you going to do this offseason to enhance your game? What are you going to add to your bag of tricks? However it was asked. And he said that he was going to work on his hand-eye coordination. And I stood there next to him with my recorder recording it. And I'm like, you really can't work on that. Like, you either have that or you don't. Like, that's an innate ability. How do you work out your hand-eye coordination? What, do you play more video games? Well, that's the thing. It's like, if you want to say you were going to work on, you know, catching passes that are are zipped with a tight spiral, like, at close range, that's one thing. But, like, your hand-eye coordination is either there or it isn't, right? Like, growing up, if you play sports as a kid or you're around sports, like, or you're in, like, PE class, right, there's certain kids that just because of genetics, right, you know, this is the way we're made. Like, certain kids are good at sports, some aren't. Now, yes, some of these kids, if they decide to dedicate their, their lives to playing sports, they can get vastly better over time, And right? And some of them go on to get scholarships and whatever else. But the bottom line is, most people, if you either have hand-eye coordination or not, and all of you know, like, from friends growing up, there's some of your friends you just didn't have very good hand-eye coordination. You throw them a ball to this day, and they struggle to, to catch a football or a basketball. But there are you know, other people that they can. They can do it well. So for Ted Ginn, a professional wide receiver, to say he need to work on his hand-eye coordination, I'm thinking to myself, well, not only does that not make any sense, but also if that's something you think you can work on, what's taking you so long? Why haven't you worked on this before? Why is it just now it's dawning on you that you need to improve your hand-eye coordination? Something that, like to me, doesn't seem like you can actually do. Oh, I don't know how we got into Ted Ginn, but that's actually kind of funny. A little, little, little digression. Brings there. back some memories, that's for sure. A little dolphin digression never hurt anybody. The first day of training camp. Oh, I do like, here's the most recent text we've gotten. It says, F you, Likens, he's still in the league today. You take a hit from a safety. Listen, nobody's ever paid me to take a hit from a safety. I don't, I don't fancy myself as some wannabe professional football player. Uh, but I'll say this, like if you're a wide receiver, I, I do not – envy the role that they have they have to go over the middle like trust me I don't want to take that hit but here's the other thing if you're paying me millions of dollars and that's part of the job requirement I don't know like I'd be I'd be more willing to do so but last I checked nobody's willing to pay me millions of dollars to go over the middle and get hit by a safety let me tell you something if you paid me millions of dollars and you told me every Sunday for 16 weeks Ronnie Lott is going to hit you five times okay at his prime and then when he's done, maybe Rodney Harrison, all right, <laughs> take your pick, okay? He's going to hit you five times every Sunday, but, you know, you're going to get that million-dollar contract. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm taking those hits. I could think of worse things to do for a million bucks. <laughs> I've <laughs> right. done worse things. Oh, Whoa. yikes. Well, that, oh, wow. that, that's a whole different radio. Excuse me there. Whoa. That's a whole different radio show right there. My goodness. Uh, we got uh, some other people texting. We got some people texting about the uh, the Canes. Um, somebody else says, first day of training camp equals sky is the limit from Little League to the NFL. I'm with you, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 
Our friend uh, Fallen Poultry says, mark my words, Charles Harris is going to ball out as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I hope you're right. Absolutely hope you're right. Uh, somebody else here says, Greg, ask Danny about Crowder, Crowder's and Leroy's conversation yesterday in the hallway. I was not here. I've only heard... I've only heard like the rumors, basically. That I heard Channing mention something about it. Yeah, that apparently him and Leroy they just they just they just have arguments in the <laughs> afternoon when they're here together. Well, it's funny because anybody who knows Channing, anybody who knows Leroy, knows that neither of them are one to back down from an argument, no. and neither of them are shy about getting into arguments. So I can see that. Absolutely happening on a daily basis. I mean, I, this I, this could be a disaster waiting to happen. I mean, I just tell you the dynamics in this bullpen are very <laughs> have, have have just changed drastically from when from when I was just you know working QAM a couple of weeks ago. Like now it's like now it's like oh, there's like a whole new dimension here, whole new personalities. I got things. Things are things are a little volatile. Well, it's also weird too, right? Because like say you and I, for example, before the show are sitting out in said bullpen, and the bullpen where just everybody can gather some. Computers, people can do show research, prepare for whatever show is going to happen. You know, you and I are, are kind of talking about what we're going to do coming up on the show, but also we've got the folks that are going to be on opposite us on the other station sitting there as well. So it's like, I don't know about you, but I know that technically we're all under the same roof, literally now, and under the same ownership. Yeah, but there's but, still a line of decade, a line of decade, decader. Jeez, I know. Demarcation. I said, demarcation. Yes. Thank you. Like we don't want to tell them everything we're going to do on the show. Because they're on opposite us, and like you know, we have our original ideas that we want to execute, and so it's a little weird, right? It's like, yeah, okay. Once we get behind the uh, soundproof windows and doors, then we'll talk. Okay, here's the strategy. But right, that was a little strange. Yeah, it was a little strange. Like yeah. we tried to talk a little show prep before, and then it was just kind of like you kind of like come your look, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, we'll, I, I, we'll I, wait. Let's just wait <laughs> to talk about. But the good thing is about the new building, you know, and we, we, maybe we should take advantage of this going forward, Greg. Is that there are all these little cubby hole areas with little desks and little couch type things going on. You know, we should probably just pick one. You know, get to get away from the get away from everybody. Do our show prep there. That's true. You know, I mean, you know, there 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 are a vast number of opportunities in this building. There you go. I like I like that. That's a good idea right there. We're gonna do that moving forward. We'll 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 plan on that. Uh, okay, we got a bunch of people who are uh, texting in. We'll come back and read those five sixty twenty two five sixty twenty two, including got a text about the Miami Hurricane. So we've talked a lot of Dolphins in the first two hours of the program. Do you want to talk some Canes as well as we're getting ready for their fall camp to open up? Much more to get into. Stay tuned here on five sixty WQAM. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone news in order to secure convictions in a court of law it is essential that we conclusively sports clock at four Donchich. the step back three you bet. music you set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts whatever you love hear it right here on tune in go to tune in.com or download the tune in app to start listening